Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast. We're going to do something a little different because I'm going to try to just channel some energy here. I want you guys to do me a favor. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Everybody take a super deep breath, as deeply as you can breathe in, and breathe out as slowly as you can. Take a really deep breath in, and I want you to just take all of those things in your head that you think are wrong with your world and try to just visualize them going into a little box in front of you and send that box away. Everything you think just feels wrong or is out of place. Anything that's just feels anything but whole, just take it out of your system. Get it out of your energy and let it go. One more deep breath in. I want to get rid of all of your expectations. I want to get rid of all of what you think we're about to talk about all the things that you think we're about to learn or just be reminded of. And I just want to have an open energy. Okay. On the way here, I received a text message from somebody that said, I'm so sorry I'm not going to be able to hear you speak today. I really needed to understand how to make some money. So that sucks. And uh, so let me just get this out of the way. I'm not about to teach you how to get rich. I love the title that we used, um, Attracting Abundance, and how to attract you know, financial abundance. But I don't want to teach you. I don't know how to teach you how to get I would be a financial planner probably if that were the case. I don't know how to teach you how to get rich. What I want to teach you is that you already are rich and how to stay in that energy and to attract more things that you want in life, okay? So I just want to get rid of all of your expectations about what you think we're going to be talking about and just kind of go from that space. Let me, I want to ask you guys a question first. How many of you guys have ever been to a third world country? Wow. How many of you guys have not been to a third world country? That, okay, like three of you. Okay, cool. So the first time I ever went to a third world country, I went to Chinandega, Nicaragua. I was 25 years old, and um, I was asked by this group called Manosuntas, which means hands together, um, if I would go play the music for this group that was going. There was 19 people traveling from, like, Arkansas, Oklahoma, um, Texas, and they were all going... You're fixing to figure out that I'm from Oklahoma in about three seconds. Um, if fixing didn't just give it away anyway. And so... Um, <laughs> We're going to have some church up in here. Um, so I went with this group called Manasuntas, and we're going, uh, we fly into Managua, and we take this rickety old bus nine hours north, and we're traveling to this little town called Chinandega. And it, Chinandega is known for having the highest concentration of malaria than any other place on the planet. And yeah, it was, it was really good. It was cool. And um, we all had to get these vaccination shots before we left. And... I don't know if you've ever seen a malaria vaccination shot, but it was, I was like, I'll take my chances. I'm not getting that shot. And the doctor said, you don't understand, you have to. And I said, you don't understand. You guys asked me to come and play the music for this group, and you said that God called you to take me on this mission trip, 
And there's no, if God called me to go on a mission trip to get malaria, then there's nothing really I can do about that. And I'm not taking a malaria shot. It's not happening. And I was the only person on the trip that did not get sick. Out of 19 people, all, all 18 of them landed in the hospital when they got back home but me. And I look sometimes and I think, how is it possible? I certainly wasn't healthier than anybody else. Most of the other people were between like 25 and 30 years old. We're all about the same age. Um, but I always look back and I think, I, I, I affirmed the reality and the truth within me that there's no chance in this lifetime I could ever get sick. It wasn't even a possibility. It was not even possible. I couldn't even fathom it. So I want to just explain something. So seven years later, I moved from Oklahoma to LA to start law school, which I quit, which that's, I'm not that cool. And so I started law school, and I'm in Los Osos, California, and a friend of mine says, Christy, have you ever heard of the book or the movie The Secret? Um, I really think you, sh you would enjoy reading this book or watching the movie. And I said, well, what is it about? And she says, it's about the law of attraction. It's about understanding that your thoughts become your things. And I was like, that sounds like a bunch of horse crap. Because if my thoughts were becoming my things, I'd be rich. I'd be driving a nicer car. I'd be on a beach with people, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> and so... Um, I don't believe in that crap. That just sounds like a bunch of, you know, I grew up in this really strict religious environment where televangelists would come on and they would sell you things and, and I've seen all the shows and I've been to the puppet show and I've seen all the strings and I just know I grew up in this world where it was just all crap. And they just sold you this life that it wasn't real and it's like you would see these people on stage and, and they would heal the audience and everybody with fibromyalgia would get healed. But then everybody that was like broken, physically broken, would still be there going, what about us? And that's like, that's the world I grew up in. So when someone introduces the concept of the law of attraction and tells me that our thoughts are becoming our things, I'm like, don't give me that crap. I've, I've seen that puppet show. So I wasn't into it at all. Seven years later, although now I'm saying this out loud, I realize this is happening every seven years in my life. Seven years later, I've never told myself this story, but seven years later, um, my life had come to an end, basically. The law firm that I had taken a job with um, was getting investigated for fraud. I had spent 13 years of my entire adult life creating this stellar reputation in the legal industry that, um, you know, I, I was getting, I got uh, offered a job by the American Civil Liberties Union, the Los Angeles chapter, to be one of the lawyers for the ACLU. All, I mean, all of this whole thing had just come crumbling down. My marriage at the time was on the rocks. Um, I found myself in a complete and total depression. To be perfectly honest with you, I was completely suicidal. I was Googling the easiest ways to kill yourself. And that's all I could wake up and think about was how do I get out of this? And when I thought life couldn't get any worse, and I was just thinking, this, I've got to end this. this. This can't be my life. This is my career's over. My personal life is over. I hate myself. I hate my life. I hate the world I've grown up in. I hate the world, period. My brother, who is the closest human being on the planet to me, goes into hospice and three days later dies. And I just fell to my knees, like figuratively, emotionally, mentally, I mean, just in any way that you can just be brought to that space. How many of you guys have ever been there in your life where you just thought, 
that's enough. And when enough was too much, something else happened. And I always say all the time, you know, I think when we're shattered to a place in our lives where we are broken in so many spaces where there's no, there's no central piece to hold anything back together. There's, you can't all of a sudden go, well, at least I have this. There's just, you're shattered completely. There's a reason for that shattering, which I discovered was because I needed to be rebuilt from a place that was unrecognizable. If you knew me before that, you would realize that that was old Christy. And new Christy standing in front of you would not be here had that not happened. When my brother died, I died. I'd never had anybody die that was close to me. My grandfather had died, but it was kind of expected. He was like 190,000 years old when he died. And, and, so, and he had been dying for like 90,000 years prior to that. And so it was, you, you know what I mean? But it never, I had never had something like that happen where I just kind of ripped up my world. And two weeks later, after Scott died... Um, a woman walks into my office and she says, Christy, have you ever heard of The Secret? And I was like, I'm going to punch you in the face. (laughs) I hate The Secret and I hate you and please don't ever talk to me like that again. And um, she said, why are you so, why do you have this aversion to the law of attraction? Do you not understand that you're living in the concept of it? And I said, because I don't believe in the idea that my thoughts are becoming my things. If they were becoming my things, you all know I'd be on a beach with people. And so, um, and so she said, who told you that your thoughts became your things? Because that's your problem. Because your thoughts don't become your things. What has become your life, what you have manifested in front of you, is every deep, driving, subconscious belief within you. This has nothing to do with what you think. It has nothing to do with what you want. It has nothing to do with your dreams or your hopes or your desires or anything. Your life is just a conglomeration of everything you believe about yourself. And the question is, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about life? What do you know that you know that you know for sure? So because I have a super limited time to talk to you guys today, I'm going to give you five points on what really changed my life from, from the broken moments to this, to now. And point number one is asking yourself the question, what do you think you know for sure about your life? Like, your life is on the line, humanity behind you, there's no question at all. Like, you know, no one could take the argument from you. What do you know for sure about your life? Just for a second, just kind of consider it. I knew for sure at the time that I had bought into several belief systems already. I'd grown up in kind of an abusive environment. Um, I knew without a doubt that I wasn't good enough. I knew that I wasn't worthy of anything sustainable. I knew that I was disposable. I knew that, you know, life was tough and I just wanted to get through it and people were crappy and everybody wanted to use me. And so, I mean, that's what I knew for sure. And you know what happened? That's the life I found myself living in was exactly what I knew for sure. But how do you do this? Where, how do you change what you know for sure in this moment as we're all sitting here? How do you change from what you know for sure to what you want to know for sure? How do you fix that? How do you gap that? That's always the biggest question. So I, I remember just kind of thinking to myself for a second, okay, here's all the belief systems. Because the truth is, is that as we all grow up, our fathers and our moms and our brothers and sisters and teachers and everybody in our lives, they, have, they put these ideas in our heads and sometimes we adopt those ideas as belief systems. 
um, we adopt the concept that we're not good enough or that we are good enough, that we're going to be amazing. The, who was the guy that wrote um, um, The Millionaire Guy? Chris? Uh, um, no. Yeah, he, he um, did the research on them, all the millionaires around the world. Who? Think and Grow Rich guy. Napoleon Hill. Thank you, Eric. Ding, ding. So, um, yes, Napoleon Hill. I've only read every one of his books. Um, he did the research on all of the millionaires around the world that were self-made millionaires and tried to find a common denominator among any of them and found that there was only one. Only one single common denominator among all self-made millionaires that he had discovered was that every single one of them, for some unknown reason, believed that they were destined to be millionaires. They couldn't tell you how or why or when or what. They couldn't answer the question. But they knew in their heart there was something within them that, they, that could not be taken away. They had adopted somehow a belief system that they were destined to be millionaires. It was the single, only common denominator among all of them. And so I ask myself often, what belief systems have I adopted? I adopted the belief system, you know, at 14 years old, standing in front of my father, and my brother tells me, we're in Wyoming, and my brother goes, hey, sis, you may be a Native American, because you look like all the Indians here, <laughs> which I'm not. But, um, and my father says, other than the fact that Native American women are really pretty, I wouldn't call your sister pretty. So I adopt the theory, I'm ugly. I'm studying one day, and I'm, I'm just trying so hard to study for this test. And um, my mom says, reminds me, it's okay. You don't have to ace everything. You're not my smart kid. You're my funny kid. Got it. I'm not smart. I'm funny. I mean, no doubt I'm funny, but <laughs> clearly. But, and all of a sudden, I remember going through these things in my head and go, these are the belief systems that I've adopted. So how we get from this space to this space is understanding how we got there, for one, right? How did you get to a place where every single time, every single time you have a thought, you want an opportunity to come before you, it feels like someone else gets it and grabs it and takes it from you? Where did that belief system come from? Because you did that to yourself. The truth of the matter is the hardest part about the law of attraction is taking responsibility for who you are and where your life is and what you've done. You've created these, you've adopted the belief systems that have been given to you. And you can unadopt them. You can let them go. As easily as you let them in, you can also let them go. And that's the beauty of our belief system. So the first thing I want to ask is what belief systems have you adopted? Second thing is, are you willing to truly take responsibility and say, I did this. I stood on the side of the road when the ACLU called and said, Christy, we'd like to offer you a job when you get out of law school to change the world. And two minutes later, I got another call from a law firm in Aliso Viejo offering me more money than I ever thought I could make. I chose the money. I did that. I personally, out of fear that I would never, that money would make me feel better than, it, than I was feeling at the time, that money would bring me some self-worth that I had never had before, I made that decision. And that decision, you know, crumbled in front of me, but it doesn't matter. The whole point is, is that the, the personal responsibility is the hardest part of understanding the law of attraction, that your life, as crappy as it may be and as good as it may be, I have written all over in my world, I am to blame and I am to praise, always. 
There is no reason you are not a victim of anything but your own choices and your own understanding of your own belief systems. And it's okay. And a lot of people come at me and say, please just stop saying that because I'm in an abusive situation and my husband is beating me and I don't want to be here. But the truth is, is that probably getting beaten is what feels comfortable to you because you've adopted a belief system that you're not worthy of anything else. What feels comfortable to you is the abuse that you've allowed in your life that you've given to yourself. So taking responsibility, as difficult as it may be, taking responsibility is the number one key to understanding how the law of attraction can work in your life. So that's number one. Number two, I love, I can't remember who said it, maybe Marianne Williamson, um, either everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. Maybe Buddha said that. I don't, Einstein, whatever. Julia Junkin said it today. <laughs> either nothing is a miracle or everything is a miracle. So the second thing I did was I retold my story in a way that was a miracle. Because every single thing about your life can also be beautiful. That's what hindsight is. When I look at my life and realize that I was born in this little tiny town in Udon, Thailand, and my mom put me up for adoption. She, take, she took me to an orphanage in, in Bangkok. And um, my parents came and adopted me. And you know, I could tell the story that my mom gave me away. And these people that adopted me, they were abusive. And it was horrible. And I grew up in this environment. And, and they treated me like crap. And nobody really wanted me. And everybody threw me away. But at the end of the day, the truth is, is that my mom loved me so much that she traveled nine hours to Bangkok to make sure that I had a better life. And that these people wanted me so bad that they went all the way from Oklahoma to Bangkok, Thailand just to find me. And that my life holds so much purpose that I needed to go through all the things that I went through so I could develop the character that I ended up developing. You have a choice on how you spend your story. That's the truth. You can choose which way you look at this. And there's two ways to look, 10 ways probably to look at anything. So the second part of the law of attraction is understanding that your story can be a miracle too, and it can be beautiful too. And stop looking at it like, I wish I wouldn't have married that guy because he ruined my life, and had I done that, I'd be, I'd be able to do this, and, and, and we go through the, have you guys ever read the book, um, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers? Anybody ever read that book? If you have not read that book, you should read that book. That book is a life changer. Jules and uh, Chris turned me on, no. Sorry, <laughs> my spiritual guru here turned me on to that book. Um, yeah, Jane gave me that book. Um, but the point, the, the, one of the most life-changing, prolific things I, I felt like um, were in that book is when Billy has died, and he says, he's talking to his sister, and um, he says, you know, it's so interesting that we live our lives thinking, what if? What if I would have married her instead of her? What if I would have taken that job instead of jo that job? What if I would have moved instead of not moved? What if I would have done all of these things, and we spend our lives wondering what would have happened? And he says, the most interesting thing is there are certain crossroads that we all hit in our lives, and it doesn't matter what choices you make. You hit those crossroads anyway. And that's the thing, is that it doesn't matter who you married. It doesn't matter where you moved. It doesn't matter these things that you, that are, you know, you're making it about something that it's, you, you would have been there anyway, because there is where you learn. I believe that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Does everybody in this room understand that? We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's not about the things that we make it about. So let me just keep going because we're going to move on from here. So what do you know for sure? Um, 
um, shifting, being able to shift your energy. Oh, that was the other thing. The words we speak become the house we live in. Say it out loud. The words we speak become the house we live in. Okay, that is not right. The words we speak become the house we live in. You have to stop saying negative things about yourself. You have to make a promise to yourself, like starting today, and do it for like 30 days. And for the no more negative people in the room, watch how difficult it is for you. I mean, it's actually hilarious, because I know some negative people where they're like, no, I won't do it for 30 days. It's gonna be hard because, you know, my life sucks, but I'll do it, not for, I'll, you know what I mean? So try it for 30 days. No negative language over yourself and over your life for 30 solid days. And any time, like, make it a pact, you know, with your partner or with your best friends or with, with whomever. I promise that for the next 30 days, I will only speak goodness and wholeness and kindness and love and affirmations. And even to the point that we sound crazy together, where someone goes, I'm having a bad, no, I'm not having a bad day. I'm having an amazing day. I'm having a day that's giving me some character. Change, <laughs> change your language. The words we speak, truly, they become the house that we live in. I used to say I was depressed and I was broken and I was lost and I was a million, I was suicidal and I just hated my life and I stopped because I went back to what I know for sure about my life and what do I want to know for sure a year from now? What do I want to wake up one year from now and feel like I know for sure? So this is what I did. I wrote it down. I want to wake up a year from now and I want to say, I just want to feel like Everything that I touch turns to gold. I don't know why. It just does. It's just like this little sprinkle of favor from God. I could just, anything that I touch, boom, it turns to just a little sprinkle of gold. Sometimes it's only 10 carats. Sometimes it's whatever gold is. What's the highest kind of gold? Nobody knows. 40 carats? Oh, 24. I don't know. Um, that's what I, I wanted to wake up and think, and no matter what I do, just the slightest bit of energy into it, Boom. Just turns to gold. That's what I wanted to feel. I wanted to feel like no matter what I had done, it was all okay and it all made sense behind me. That I just looked forward and then I no longer considered my life behind me as anything but purpose. Anything but just it had to happen. That's what I wanted to wake up and feel. I wanted to wake up and feel like my life holds so much purpose that when I'm on an airplane and I'm starting to sweat really bad because it feels like we might die, that I'm like, my life has purpose, so I can't die because that's not even a possibility because my life holds so much purpose. Like, no matter how crazy a scenario could get, I just wanted to wake up and believe these things. And so one of the things that I would encourage everybody in the room to do is really ask yourself, like, what do you want to know for sure that you want to know for sure that nobody could take it away from you? That if someone said to you, that's not going to work. Trust me. That's the dumbest idea. That's, you're the craziest person. Like, you're, it's impenetrable. Does that make sense? Like, you, it's, you, like, your belief system is impervious to human judgment. Like, that level of belief system. The question for you with the law of attraction is, what do you really want to know for sure. Because what I've discovered is that most people have no clue what they really want. They just know, through the process of elimination, what they do not want. And so when you focused on what you do not want, all you have done is call forth more of what you do not want. When you think, what I don't want to do is have to worry about how to pay my bills. And then all of a sudden you go into your mailbox and there's nothing but bills. All you're doing is attracting more of that kind of energy, right? So. 
The question is, you know already what you don't want, but when was the last time you asked yourself what you really do want? Stop being a leaf in the wind in life and just letting life happen. Like, stop and start living intentionally and realize that you have the power to change anything, to do anything, to go anywhere, to be anything literally, like anything at all. You have the power to command forth and manifest exactly the life that you can work yourself into believing for. I believe that this is possible. I believe without a doubt that everything about my life that I'm doing is possible. Had I told myself, so let me give you um, another quick tip on this. You also have to eliminate all of the human metric system, like all human metrics. There is no time, space, money, amounts, all of that kind of stuff. There's no time and space anyways. I actually do believe that we're living in a multidimensional life myself. You don't have to adopt that kind of theory, although I think it's true. But um, <laughs> I feel like you should. Um, I think that um, in the world of time and space, when you say to the universe, I had a really good friend of mine come over to my house about a month ago, and she said, Christy, I need you to make me a meditation because I need you to help me focus on the fact that I want to make $100,000 in 2018. And she's a doctor. She's a doctor. And I was like, why do you want to make $100,000? That sounds like the lamest thing ever. For one, you understand that there are people in the world that made $100,000 today, like today. Like, before you even will leave my house, they probably made another $100,000. In the whole world of the universe, money is not a thing. Time is not a thing. All of these things that we take, we use this human measuring system with, and we try to, like, codify it with our, with our understanding, all you've done is limit your possibilities. It doesn't matter. You don't actually want to make $100,000 anyway. Like I said to her, tell me why you want to make $100,000. Well, because $100,000 to me means I don't have to borrow money from my husband. It means I can put my kids through college. It means that I feel good about myself. So really what you want is a dependence and self-worth. You don't want $100,000 anyway. You've called it $100,000 because you're coming from this human ecosystem. You don't want $100,000. You want to feel self-worth. So as we are applying the law of attraction to us and we're talking about meditating, we're not meditating and calling forth people, places, and things. We're meditating and calling forth energy. What does it feel like to me to wake up at the beginning of 2019 and think, I did it? I love that feeling when my husband was like, do you need me to put some money in your account? And I was like, do you need me to put some money in your account? Ask me that. I don't need your money. When my kids are like, Mom, I made straight A's and I'm off to college. And you're like, good, because I got it all saved up in my bank account for you. Just let me know. Harvard, Yale, whatever. What you want to do is attract the energy of what it feels like with those kinds of memories. So I use memory attraction. I've never even said this out loud because it sounds crazy. But I'm just going to go full crazy here and tell you. I use memory attraction. I imagine what it feels like to have that memory. And I attract that memory to me. I imagined what it felt like to be standing right here. I imagine what it will feel like to be in LA at Agape. I imagine what it will feel like to be in Europe somewhere else. I mean, I imagine these kinds of things. So as they're happening, as they were just singing this last song, I went, ugh. I love being this powerful. <laughs> this is so crazy because I imagined it. And it is not magic. It's not voodoo. It's not something. There's nothing special about me. It is the reality of 
understanding that it's the energy that you ultimately want to attract, and do you believe in that energy within you? Do you believe in that? Does this make sense? Because we're just going to go one more place. Are we all straight in this alignment? Everybody is here. The last thing I do is offer gratitude ahead of time for the memory. And as Kevin had spoken, gratitude is everything. Those who say thank you have the most to say thank you for. But I want to explain something to you about who's, where's Mark and his $10? It was just so weird because I turned to Julie and I said, I'm going to talk about tithing. Um, where's Mark? Where did he go? Oh, there you are. Hi. You're going to think for a second I'm talking to you, and I swear I'm not. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe I am, actually, but I didn't. You said 10% tithing, and I was telling Julia, you know, I want to talk about the energy of gratitude versus scarcity. Churches really um, promote people to tithe 10%. I ended up being studying theology in college, and I found it really interesting. We learned about the concept of tithing, and, you know, back in the Bible days, people were tithing because there was no separation between church and state, and tithing was taxing. And so there was, you actually were taxed 10%. There was no tithing. And so um, it, it, the concept of tithing then started from a, um, a, a forced, it was forced upon the people, right? So there was, it wasn't, you know, Jesus standing in front of everyone being like, I would like it if everyone gave me 10% of everything that they made. That never happened. And the problem that I have with tithing in that way is that it comes from a feeling of scarcity, if you have $100 and you give someone 10%, $10, it's usually because you feel like that's all you have to give, but you hope that that $10 multiplies and comes back to you. That's an energy of scarcity. If you have $100 and you give $90 because you know, you know without a doubt that there's more where that came from, that is an energy of abundance. How are you giving your energy is the last thing that I want to talk about. Where is your energy coming from? If you're tithing because you desperately need that 10% to roll back into you, that is scarcity still. That is not abundance. But if you say with your $100, you can have it. There's more where that came from. Just say it out loud. There's more where that came from. I mean like excited. There's more where that came from. Seriously, if you, if you give life, with all of that energy, the love, the time, the attention, the money, the everything, there's more where that came from because the truth is that there is. There's an endless supply of all of it. It's an endless, endless, has a T at the end of it. <laughs> it is so long. It's endless supply of all that you desire is right there. It is not about trying to get rich. It's about trying to understand that you already are rich. And it's about understanding that this energy that has to come from within you, that has to exude out of you, must be an energy of abundance. Most people do not understand how to attract the things that they want to attract in their life because they are attracting from an energy of scarcity, of fear, of doubt, of I'm so afraid that if I give you this $10 that I might look at, I might turn around and, and needed it because I don't know where my next hundred's coming from. That's how most people give their time. That's how most people give their money. That's how most people give their love. That's how most people love people in relationships. It's all out of scarcity and fear and doubt. So the truth is, if, if you can every single day just say to yourself, there's more where that came from. And truly, honestly believe that. 
Dave, you want to jump back up for me really quickly? And more, and, and honestly believe that. And don't, and we're not just doing it with our finances. We're doing it with our, with all that we give to everybody and to ourselves with anything. When you wake up in the morning and you want to do a daily meditation and you think you don't have time because you're running late, you're not running late. There is no time. There's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. I'm going to end with a meditation that I do. And we're not going to do the meditation. Well, we are going to do the meditation. So everybody close your eyes again. I have this concept for people that... Um, like to follow me online, I always tell people, I want you to consider your future self. There is a, a spirit before you that's within you that has already become all that you desire, that's already discovered all that you want to discover, that's already been where you want to go and done all the things that you want to do. There is a future energy within you. I say all the time, like, what would my future self do? So I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine your future self, that man or woman. I want you to imagine that that person is sitting on top of a mountain. Your future self is sitting on top of a mountain, and that self is so full of pure energy and love and light and just a deep, deep understanding of themselves and life and purpose and love. And in front of them is a power source. You can just kind of see it, visualize a power source, and your future self is exchanging power with this power source in front of them. And I want you to imagine that you start walking up the mountain and you see your future self doing this. And your future self acknowledges the fact that you're, that you're walking up and that you're standing there. And it says, I see you there. And you're talking to yourself here. Your present self is talking to your future self. I see you there. I want you to remember this visualization where you all are right now. At any point in your lifetime, when you feel like you don't know, when you feel afraid, when you feel scared, when you feel like you just need a little bit more energy or strength, or love, or acceptance. Do not ask anybody outside of yourself for any of those things because all that you need and desire is within you. And don't do anything ever but ask your future self, how did we do this? How did we get there? How did I get to become you? How did we figure this out? Because the person that can show you more than anyone will ever be able to show you is you. Just stay in this space for a second. And say thank you to your future self. Thank you for the traveling, for the journey, for all of it. Offer it gratitude. And so it is. And so it will always be for you.